Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everything in between, welcome back to the Kevin Clifton Show. And um, I made up this week that um, we've got a really wicked guest on the show. I set out to do this podcast to talk to lots of different uh, creatives from, from different areas of uh, the sort of creative arts and performance and entertainment industry. And um, I didn't want to only talk to um, actors and singers and dancers. I always uh, I wanted to talk to the creative people that actually make all of these projects and, and, and put them all together. And I've really wanted to have a writer on the show. Um, so I'm thrilled this week to be talking to um, the writer of a show that was introduced to me this year. Uh, well, actually, I was joined Strictly last year. Uh, a friend of mine came to me and um, said, oh, in, like everyone does in general conversation, oh, have you watched this? Have you watched that on Netflix or whatever? And said, have you watched a show called Giri Haji? Um, I said, no. And they said, you really should check it out. I think you'd really like it. Um, and at the time it was on BBC iPlayer. That's, that's when, what I watched it on, but I believe now it's on Netflix. Um, and I watched this series and sort of binged it. It became one of those series that I just binged in a few days. Um, and absolutely loved it. And so I'm thrilled to be able to welcome the writer of Gary Hadji onto the show. It's a lad called Joe Barton. How you doing, man? Hello, mate. I'm good, thank you. I'm very well. How are you? Um, yeah, good. Um, I, I feel like you can't sort of have a conversation nowadays without asking the first question, as cringe as it is. Like, how's, how's lockdown going for you? It's great. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's fine. I think it's okay. Uh, I, I should turn my phone off. Uh, I... It, it, <laughs> I've got, I've sort of got used to it, and um, I've gone through several stages of lockdown uh, from sort of deep depression and worry, and I sort of just, and then generally sort of just what's the what, what's the word when people in prison get used to being in prison? Acclimatized or yeah, um, acclimatized to it, yeah. Acclimatized in in yeah that um, I, I'm doing okay. Like you know, going out of the house a bit. Saw my parents the other day. Oh. Right. Um, the first time for a while and, and sort of you know walk around the parks and stuff so yeah it's good i'm looking forward to i don't know actually i was gonna say i'm looking forward to things opening but i, I think that might just i like i saw i sort of am looking forward to that but also i think it might kill a lot of people so i don't know mixed feelings really <laughs> i sort of um the first couple of months i was like this is actually like i've you know, I could, I've been saying for a while, I need to have a break. And, and this was like, an, obviously we wish it was different circumstances, but um, it's like this enforced break. Um, mm. And I was really quite enjoying it. And me and my girlfriend were getting to spend some time together because we're just always working. And I was really enjoying them first couple of months of like, just, I'm going to do whatever I want and just hang, take it like a little holiday indoors. Um, but But now this last month, I've started to get really sort of, like I'm itching to get back to work and my girlfriend's working again. So like I'm getting jealous of that and I'm, I'm starting to get really fed up now. Um, yeah. Actually, you've got a cap on. I'm going to put a cap on as well because I cannot yeah. be doing with my hair right now. It's really <laughs> me. <laughs> um, so, um, do you feel, um, do you feel like a pressure with uh, the fact that we've got all this free time now? Cause loads of people start, you know, like you go on Instagram and you start seeing all these quotes of like, well, it was in a lockdown situation that Shakespeare wrote three of his best things. And um, <laughs> yeah. this person, you know, they wrote um, Frankenstein and, and Dracula in a lockdown situation. Mm. And, and da, 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 da. you know, now's the time to do that thing that you always wanted to do. Do you like feel that pressure to write the next best thing on TV? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I was very quickly, I hated those memes at the start. People like... Um, either either people were very productive or people were just sort of using the time to self-reflect and find themselves and stuff. Like, I mean, good on anyone that can use that can use what's happened over the last couple of months as as, as a sort of learning process. But no, um, I've, I've it's been a lot of pressure. Well, my job sort of carried on, and that, like, because mm. obviously I just work from home by myself anyway. So, which is lucky, like. I, I, which I was really lucky that you know my my work sort of continued. But I think that people have just had such wildly different um, experiences of of the coronavirus. Like I know, uh, like I know some of my friends who don't have kids and have had jobs that have 
sort of where they've been furloughed or whatever. And, and their sort of experience of lockdown has been sort of like so wildly different from mine and, 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 and sort of with good and good and bad points. I think the main sort of thing for a lot of people has just been the stress of obviously not being able to work and also just this sort of mind numbing boredom that came along with it. Like mm. I've had lots of work to do and I've also got two kids and there's been times I've just been like, this is just, I've never been busier. And yeah, <laughs> so, I bet. Um, but I haven't written the next King Lear. I'm like pretty confident that I haven't written the next King Lear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I, I just felt this immediate pressure of like, right, all the things that you said that you always wanted to do or learn or whatever, like I have to yeah. do it now. Um, but yeah, I suppose like with, with being a writer, I suppose it doesn't change anything too much. And unless like, do you always write at home or are you one of these people that like, I have this like romantic idea of, of writers that like, you know, on um, Love Actually, the film Love Actually, where like Colin Firth is a writer and he goes to like the South of France or something to, yeah. <laughs> to be completely on his own in that space. Is that a thing? Or like the different writers need like different spaces to like open their creativity or do you just mainly just write from home? Or? Uh, no, I, I'm, yeah, I do the Colin Firth model. I, I, I go to Portugal and, and I have a, a whirlwind romance with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and propose. No, I don't. I, yeah, I generally write from home. Um, a lot of people like writing cafes and stuff. I can't do it. I get too distracted, and I read the dialogue out as I write it. Like I read the characters like, like right. often, so I can't be in public because I look insane. Um, so I generally it's just me sitting in my house. Like I've done. I worked in an office for a bit when I was doing Geary. Like the production company let me use an office in their building, and, mm. which was nice. Um, it was just nice. To, it's just nice to leave the house sometimes. That's the, that's the big thing. Um, I remember having they gave me this office, and I got to like commute into it every morning. Like it was like it was the most fun thing because I'd never like for years I'd never done it. So I was there on the train with my coffee, like this is amazing. <laughs> Everyone else is <laughs> um, But yeah, generally I just yeah I sit in my in my room and um, and type. <laughs> Please, please tell me that when you're um, when you're reading out the dialogue, you like put on voices and stuff. Oh yeah, you well, you've got to um, <laughs> you've got to give it, you've got to give it your all. You can't half-ass these things. Um, yeah, yeah I, I I try and um, just inject it with a little a little something. <laughs> yeah, because because do you um do you ever. I haven't asked any of the questions that I've written down yet, by the way, but like, um, when you're writing, cause sometimes like when I'm reading, so if I'm reading, um, a novel, um, like reading fiction, um, I, I, do you ever have like, when you're writing, do you have a, like an actor in mind? Like, mm. like, like mm. to really sort of, um, I don't know, like form the character. You're like, this is the sort of person that would be, would be playing it. Cause when I'm reading a novel, that's what I do. I, I almost like cast the novel as I'm reading it, oh, like really? who's playing yeah. who. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I do sometimes. Sometimes I like. Sometimes you have like a really strong sense of who it is, and, and sometimes you just can't find that that person at all. Um, I did a film. Like the weirdest time of that was I did this. Um, like I did this film called My Days of Mercy, which no one's seen, but it's on Netflix. If anyone wants yeah. to watch it, but no. Um, <laughs> Stick on it, those mate. Um, it's uh, so it's a uh, it's like a sort of romantic drama with um, Ellen Page and Kate Mara in it, and it was one of the first scripts I ever wrote. And I wrote like it was like twelve years ago or something. I just come out of uni, and I'd had this idea for a film, and I was started to write it, and it was just after Juno had come out. Mm. And so in my head, I was like, oh my god, like Ellen Page, she played Juno, it was like, be amazing as this character, and so I always had her just in my head as, 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 as the person that would play the, the lead character. And then like, um, I finished the script and didn't do anything with it. And then like, yeah, it was like, like almost like a decade later, my agent got in touch to say that he'd given her the script and she'd read it and she really liked it. And she wanted to produce it with Kate Mara cause they were looking for it. And all this stuff, anyway, I ended up then producing and starring in it. And it was like, honestly the weirdest thing. Cause I ended up on set in America. And I remember like when I was sort of, 
when I'd written it, I said, right, starting out, so like, oh, I'd love to be a writer one day, and it seemed like this impossible dream, and I was like, oh, amazing, imagine if this got made, and like, if someone like, you know, Ellen was in it, and what would it be like to, mm. to watch this film getting made, her in it, and then, like, when that happened, it was literally like, sort of the closest thing to an actual dream <laughs> coming true, and I had this sort of massive existential crisis about it, because I was sort of standing there like, oh my God, I'm, this hasn't, I was like, this, I, like, this hasn't made me happy, <laughs> this thing yeah, so much, yeah. It looks like looks like exactly what I imagined it, and I'm still um, I'm still sort of crippled with you know <laughs> anxiety and all this stuff. So I, I, so yeah, I do sometimes imagine actors, but it, it, it it's a mixed bag. If it actually happens, it can be. It sounds like weird. you totally manifested that whole thing. You know, like when people talk about the secret yeah. and stuff. Like, like with Noel Edmonds, you could draw stuff in his hands or whatever it was. <laughs> didn't he used to do that? Did he? <laughs> out of my ass. I don't know. Didn't, 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 didn't Noel Edmonds used to manifest stuff and then he would draw little things on his hand and you could see them on Deal or No Deal. And like, I mean, I might be making that up. But yeah, manifest. Yeah, I did. I don't know. I'm going to look into that. <laughs> that sounds mad. There's a film to be made out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so... So did you say that script was sitting around for like 10 years? Is yeah, that, something like that, yeah. Is that normal? That like you'll write something and like you think it's good and, but it's not just like it'll get made, it'll like knock around for 10 years or whatever and then someone will just pick it up? Yeah, I think it happens quite a lot. How I think they, it happens quite a lot. Hmm? Sorry? How did they find it then? Like how, how did they come they, across it if it was like from 10 years ago? In that instance, my, so I'd given it to my agent. I had an agent in America and cause it was an American set film. Like when I joined, when he'd started being my agent, I'd like, I'd handed it to him and been like, oh, I wrote this ages ago. But I just like, as an example of like a script, I could write this and it's set in America, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so he had it. And he, I mean, I remember him being like, it's a good script, but it will never get made because it's like this sort of LGBT story and it's like setting around like prisons and stuff like about the death penalty and, and lesbians. But he was like, this will never get made. Um, and then um, Ellen uh, and Kate as well, maybe I'm not sure. Ellen was definitely at the same agency um, and she had just come out and she, I think she said to her agent that she was looking specifically for um, more uh, gay characters for her to play. And so her agent basically w went around the agency, like, has anyone got any, like, scripts okay. with, with uh, LGBT um, Q plus leads? And um, so my agent just had it, and so handed it over, and then it just sort of, yeah, spiralled from there. So it was slightly, slightly sort of just good fortune, really. Um, but, yeah, it does happen. Like, quite often you have an idea just, just knocking around for years. Like, Giri Hadji was an idea I had, like, seven or eight years ago as well. I, hadn't, I didn't write it, but the actual like, idea. So yeah, I think it's quite common. Mm. Um, so to go like to the beginning, did, mm. you, did you always want to be a writer or did this just, is it something that just sort of developed? Like, were you really good at like English lit in school and was like, I want to do this forever? Um, or like, how does it come to be? Um, I think I was good at English lit in school. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I wanted I, I wanted to make films like I think I wanted to be a film director like I, okay. I wanted to be Steven Spielberg or something when I was in school and college and used to make like little films with um, my friends and like camcorders and stuff and we'd make little movies on the weekend so I always had that um, I wanted to be yeah like a filmmaker and then I think like writing was sort of a means to an end in that like I went to uni I did a film course and then I graduated and I had no like no idea at all how to how to become a how to become a director like a film director I was no I don't have any sort of money or I didn't have like a camera or actors or anything um and I think writing just appealed because it was something that I could do straight away like I could just I didn't have to wait I didn't have to try and get funding or anything I could just sit down and start writing something I think I did look at um richard curtis because uh, we were talking about love actually i can't remember if we were talking about love actually before or after we started recording now but like um i'm always banging on about love actually <laughs> uh, big, big fan <laughs> big fan um i was richard curtis had written uh you know like he'd written for weddings and notting hill and all that stuff and then yeah. i think love actually had just come out he directed it mm. i was like well that guy used to be a writer and then someone gave him the opportunity to to direct so I think it, I think it was I'll just copy him and do what he did so uh, 
Yeah, so I start. So I thought oh, I'll be right. I start trying to write, and then it like took fucking years. <laughs> but that was my. <laughs> uh, but then, like, did you? Um, is it? I don't know. Is the, did you go on a like specific course for it, or or did you just sort of feel like you? You just started writing and, and felt like you had a bit of a knack for it, or or is there like? Because I'm sure there's lots of like techniques and and things that like yeah. that you would know about writing that I have no idea about. Um, but like, so where did you learn? Did you? I did. Oh, I did a film. I did a film and um, film and television production at uni. Hmm. I mean, was there was a bit of there was a screenwriting module in it, but it wasn't specifically like for screenwriting. No, mostly it was just um, trial and error. You know, like it took years and years of writing. I used to write all the time. I would just write scripts, sort of constantly. Um, and it took like I don't know three or four years to get any kind of traction you know so it were a lot of you know i mean there's places you, there are specific screenwriting courses i think and there's lots of books and stuff yeah um but i think i just learned how to use the screenwriting software and then just you know i watch a lot of telly and watch a lot of films and then i was just like you just have a sense of the structure of what you know what a script should feel like and reading scripts is quite a good education if you can yeah if you can do that yeah that's yeah interesting because i've i've started taking like a real fascination um with with writing just during this lockdown um yeah and yeah and just doing like little it's like i you know if you had a master class that thing um yeah 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 it's like they get different people to to come in and teach these courses and stuff and um yeah i was i was uh, i did a a master class with um uh david mamet um nice and uh and then um because i think i'm gonna write a a children's book so um uh, like a boy who dances (laughs) um so I, I was, <laughs> so I, I, was uh, I, I did I did a course with um, oh I'm forgetting his name the guy who writes the, the Goosebumps novels kids books R L Stein uh, yeah R L Stein yeah that's it yeah, yeah. Um, so just and I'm just fascinated with it like all these all these things that they um, start talking about but it's interesting that you just sort of I don't know you just sort of had a sense of how it all comes together but I suppose different um different formats must be a completely different like technique of writing because like does it translate you've written things for tv and, and movies does that translate, yeah. like it, would you find it really easy to write like a a, a novel is that completely um, different it's like a, and it's a different yeah it's a completely different thing and i think some people can like some people can do both like they're able to sort of transfer the skills across and, and some people can't i mean I try, like I tried to write a novel. I'm still, I occasionally try and like go back to it. So I end up writing quite a lot of it, but I can't tell if it's good or not. Like I know if I've written something mm. crap or good, but with the novel, I'm just like, I have no idea. I just no idea. So it is like a different, it's a different skill set. Like, and they're just very different mediums and they very different ways of telling a story. You have a lot of different, um, there are sort of techniques that are, that are, that, you know, a novelist can use that a screenwriter can't and vice versa. Obviously we have visuals and the screenwriters can use a sort of palette of music as well and, and, and all the visual stuff and, and, you know, there's all that, but, uh, you know, a novelist has the luxury of being able to get right inside the head of a character and not have to, you know, I suppose we can use voiceover, but they, they are different. I mean, they, I'm trying to think of like novelists that have written screenplays and vice versa. I think it's all like Stephen King famously has tried and to varying degrees of success to sort of write his own films i think it was him um but yeah i mean i'm sure there are famous examples of famous crossovers but i i i, I can't think of too many like and i did like I, I handed like this book the bit of novel i'd written i gave it to a publisher and he sort of liked it but it was like he was like i really like it but i don't know how i would sell it so i don't know if he was just being nice well, nice by saying he liked it, but <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Um, but it's like, yeah, I've always wanted to write a book, but I, I don't know if I could. I mean, children's books are difficult as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's like yeah. a whole. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, what about like for a script between, um, for screen or for like the theatre? Would that, would that be similar or? 
I think they're very different. I've never written a play, so I don't know, but I've read some and they seem like they're in a, a, a much different format. Um, and again, I, there are crossovers, you know, there are playwrights who become screenwriters and screenwriters, mm. you know, vice versa, but they are like, again, they're, they're, they're different arts and you, you just have different things that, you know, different things that you can do. I guess if you think about the constrictions of putting on a stage play, well, not constrictions, but I think you just have to acknowledge the form of it. So there's not, you could do it. I know people do. I think maybe, I think, I think you get more playwrights that become screenwriters and than novelists that become screenwriters. I think, I think there's more of a, yeah do you ever think um that writers don't get enough credit like 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 i always think like when you see like a wicked movie or something yeah um obviously the actors on screen get a lot of credit in and Mm. and there's a lot of um hype about the director always you know this this masterpiece of a movie by this director and and obviously directors are great but then uh, but then i start thinking but they haven't come up with that movie they haven't come up with like the idea for it or they haven't written it they haven't created it they've just like it's all been created and then they've just sort of and no i don't want to lessen what a director does because directors are wicked as well obviously but like they've come in at the end and gone right okay so that bit go do that over there and that bit over there and shoot it like that. I mean, yeah, I, well, I mean, I do think directors get too much credit, but no, I mean, the weird thing is in films, uh, it's like the director gets all the credit and in TV, uh, the writer gets all the credit. Like yeah. when you, when people talk about TV shows, generally they, they talk about who wrote it and they won't yeah. talk about who directed it. It's really weird sort of phenomenon. And in film, it's the complete opposite. I'm not sure why, because the reality is in both mediums, they're incredibly collaborative and not just writer and director, but the producers and cinematographers and editors and everyone. I don't know why the, the sort of culture um, has, 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 has grown up uh, to, to reflect that. But um, I mean, it can be galling sometimes, like if you work on a film and then it's that all anyone talks about as a director, but I've been lucky. Like I work with really nice people. So mm. you just kind of, except that it's part of the job. I mean, with the director is they are across like everything. And technically, you know, the script does touch on, on everything, but the director is the person who ultimately has to, you know, they have to liaise with costume and makeup and actors and producers and lighting and sound and edit and music and everything. They will constantly be getting all these, they have to sort of steer the whole ship. So I think it's, you know, I mean, it's fair that they get, um, that they get, the credit for it, but I definitely think there is this sort of in films, like especially in Hollywood and stuff, there is this sort of idea of like the the writer or the screenplay as being this sort of slightly lesser part of the process. And you do think, oh, well, you but we wouldn't have anything to film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if someone hadn't written it, and like you get uh, the worst one is when you get the, a film by credit, and you're like, I fucking hate it. when someone's like a film by so and so. You're like, it's uh, it's so arrogant, you know, it's like mm. the ego. Of, but this is a film just by me. Like, like 200 people probably were, isn't it? Isn't <laughs> yeah, it? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that must be well frustrating. Um, are you, no, I'll ask that later. Um, you know, let's go from like, if, if let's say you had a completely like new idea. What, what is the sort of A to Z process of, of, of how it all works? Like you've just had an, an idea about... Um, a guy who <laughs> I'm making this up on top of my head. I'm looking straight at you. A guy yeah. who, like <laughs> we've been in this lockdown situation, and um, he's been a writer all his life, but he's he's figured out during lockdown because he's had he's been, gone through this whole process during lockdown that his real calling in life is he wants to make hats. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's going to mess with his relationship and family and everything like right so like obviously like really exciting idea don't copy it (laughs) um like what what's the first thing that you do when you sit down to write um 
your it, it doesn't have to be that idea by the way <laughs> i'm just saying like new idea uh, what's the best yeah. thing you do <laughs> well the first thing i did is i congratulate myself on coming up. <laughs> um the hattery um you there are well there are different ways that you can do it i mean you can write something um on spec which means that you just write it no one like is paying you to write it and no one necessarily even knows you're writing it. you just write it for yourself so that um so that you have a completed script that you can then take out to people and try and sell it mm. um that's called writing something on spec so you have the script and then you get into like if you had an agent or whatever you would then give it to them or you would go to different independent producers and you would say i've got this thing i've written this amazing story about this guy that makes hats and um i'm interested in uh you know and optioning it uh, and making it um so that's one way of doing it the way i i think the way you do it maybe more when you've been in the industry for a while is that you have your idea about the man that makes hats and you think that's good <laughs> that's a good one um <laughs> that's the winner um and you take the idea to people and be like hey listen <laughs> sit down because i've got this idea um and you you maybe write write like you know like a page or something like describe an idea and then you go to producers and, and you tell them your idea and then try and get them to pay you to write a script or like a first episode if it's a tv thing or or, or the whole thing if it's a film and then once you've developed it with them you then go to the people that like make like broadcasters so if you if you've got something with a producer, then you have to go to the broadcaster, which is the channel. So that's like the BBC or Channel 4 or Netflix or Sky or mm. whoever. Um, and then you need to convince them that the thing you've made is good enough for them to turn into a series. And they, you know, see if they'll green light it and, and, and go to production. So, yeah, but I mean, it basically it starts off with you have the idea and you have to write it and if you can get someone to pay you to write it then great if not then yeah. you just you know do it do it off your own back mm. and i don't know do you like um do you have the ending in mind of like what's going to happen to this guy with the hats or do you often just like you start off with some <laughs> you start off yeah. with some characters and um have a general sense of where it's going and start writing and then things change and start flowing or do you have a clear idea before you start writing this is what happens then that then that and then that's how it ends well i mean i think when you have the spark of an idea that's you know that's how it always starts is it starts with just one little thing and you then you obviously have to build it out but like when the when the idea hits you it, it, it it's never fully formed it's just it's just a thing or a world or a character or a situation or a scene or something that you think, oh God, that's interesting. There could be something in that. And then you, you, you know, you sit and, and, and develop it. Um, I don't tend to have the ending in place when I start or I have a version of an ending, but with the understanding that it might, it'll probably change. I mean, often, especially if someone's paying you, they will ask you to write like this thing called a treatment, which is when you basically write, in sort of like a word document like like what you said the beginning middle and end of, of 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 your story and then often you work you do a few drafts of that and then they'll send you to script once you've kind of sort of got it all out but i think everyone understands that even when you do that the ending might change or alter and things are good you because know, the writing process is, is is the most sort of i think the most creative part of it where you where you find out a lot of you find out a lot about the characters in the world you've created just by you know living in their heads and, and right and, and and putting them on paper so uh i think like with something like geary i did had a very vague sense of how it might end when i was writing it but a lot of that was just um kind, kind of just going from episode to episode and not being 100 percent sure what way it was going to happen which i think is free and if you can possibly do it like that i think that's quite good although it does help there's no if you know definitely how it's going to end it's quite a reassuring a reassuring mm. thing because you know because mm. it's very important. So with with Giri then, Giri Hadji, um, did, um, did did you take that to a channel or, or a production company? Was that like your pitch, or yeah. did it come from somewhere else and they asked you? To uh, write that was my thing. I took. I had the idea, and I had this sort of vague. This I had like a really really vague idea, which was just um, 
a Japanese man comes to London to look for his brother. And that was like, that was the whole, that was the whole pitch. And um, I had done, a, I worked on a, a show called Humans, um, which is on Channel 4. Yeah, yeah. And that was produced by um, this production company called Kudos, who was run by this woman called Jane Featherstone, who then left Kudos to set up her own production company called Sister. And when she did that, because I'd known her off of Humans, so I went in and met her just for a chat really and she asked what ideas I had I had sort of like five or six ideas and one of them was this like Jackie's man comes to London to look for his brother um untitled Japanese detective tv series idea and she liked that a lot and then I can't remember I think we went to channel four is either channel four paid for for a script or 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 Jane paid for a script and then we took anyway either way we went to channel four first and Netflix were interested and then channel four turned it down and then we went to BBC, like the whole thing. So you sort of shop it around town and see who's interested. Yeah. And it was it was developed sort of independently, and then we took it we took it to places to see if anyone wanted to make it. Hmm. And then, obviously, B, B, so it's BBC that that uh, yeah. So BBC did it. So it was like yeah, Channel, was Channel Four, and I can't remember what it was exactly. I think originally we were like this, we go for Channel Four, and, and they were quite into it. But then I think literally their note was it's too Japanese, and we were like, but you did know. <laughs> You, you knew what it was about when, um, but that, so they thought it was, I mean, maybe too Japanese for them. So yeah, then we just went to the BBC and we were like, we've got this thing, we think it's good. Do you want to make it? And they, they liked it. So. Do you have an idea of like what uh, channel you'd prefer it to be on and for any particular reason? Like it, like do yeah. the different channels sort of have a different vibe in your, in your eyes that you think? Yeah, works? definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. Always. I mean, that's one of the big. That's one of the first sort of questions you ask. Like, where would this? Where would be a good home? And you like Stacey, you know, from like working with like different, mm. you know, rich houses stuff. Like, they just have a different. I mean, they literally have different, you know, purposes for existing. Something like BBC Three has a very different remit and a very different intended audience and a very different budget. Something like BBC Two or BBC One. Mm. You know, Channel Four has got. I mean, I don't know what Channel Four is doing at the moment, but you know, Channel Four is it, traditionally. I think you think of it maybe a slightly bit bit edgier or a bit more, mm. um, you know, youth skewing than, and then you know you you because originally we were on BBC One and then they switched us to BBC Two because I think the idea was that if you if you're like a big BBC One primetime drama if you think of that that stuff like um, uh, oh god what's that what Aidan Gillen without a shirt and what's that show. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm trying to think. Oh, there's that one with it. I can't remember the name of it now. I'm trying to think of the big sort of BBC One dramas. And there's that one with a guy who's never got a shirt on and, it, and it's sort of like a period drama. Oh, it's great. Poldark. Oh, Poldark, yeah. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I know of it, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's stuff like sort of Poldark or... Um, and it's more and all the you know, like um, The Missing, I think, was BBC One. But basically shows that can... Because that, that's the big... Like that's the big sort of flagship show. So I think you need to, you're expected to draw a certain audience. Like BBC Two shows get a lot less viewing figures than BBC One. But because of that, you're sort of allowed to maybe do things that you wouldn't necessarily be allowed to do on on, on BBC One. I think like right. Peaky Blinders used to be on two and then they moved. To, anyway, okay. every yeah. And then with Sky has its own thing. Netflix, you know, um, they've all got their own personality. So, like, a big part of the process is like, yeah, where, you know, you, there are some shows you like you would never take to ITV or wherever just because they're just not. You just know that's not what they're looking for. Right. And then when um, actually when you're writing as well, like less the channel, but like, do you do you write with like the audience in mind? Just in terms of of like, uh, I know when I'm say when I've been like creating a dance for Strictly or something, um, of, often I'm thinking, and I'm never sure whether it's a good thing or not, like whether to, whether to just go, I'm going to create the dance that I think is best and that I think is, is, is really wicked, like that I'm, that mm -hmm. I'm really proud of. But I've, I'm also aware that like there's going to be audience voting and stuff like that. So I'm going like, what, what's going to go down well with the audience? Do, do you ever right with like the audience in mind and what their reaction might be and does that hinder you i mean it can be if you end up second guessing yourself i think it can hinder you i try not to write too much i write i try and write just what i want to see mm -hmm. and hope that other people would agree <laughs> but yeah. it's good 
I do like, I mean, the, I mean, like with Geary, like we, there were definitely sort of moments where we were trying stuff that we didn't know if, like, well, I suppose the duck, like, spoilers for the end of Geary Hadji, but like the, um, there's a sort of big dance sequence in it. Mm. And that was definitely like, a moment, like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I like this. <laughs> like, I think this is good, but I had no idea if anyone else will agree or if the audience will hate it or not. So I think you do like have to, I think you also have to trust the audience. Like, I think in, in, you know, TV industry, definitely there's this sort of, a sort of natural conservatism or this sort of desire to slightly underestimate mm. the sort of intelligence of an audience or what people will be willing to watch and what people are yeah. looking for. Um, and so if you have to push against that idea of the, the imaginary audience in your head, you just have mm. to kind of write what you think is good. So was I don't know whether to mention the, the uh, dance scene at the end of it or not. I thought I'll, I'll let you mention it if we're going to bring it up. Um, <laughs> but like, um, so that was your idea to do that. Hmm. Yeah. 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 That was. Well, and, when, and where did that come from? Like, why? I'm fascinated as to how you came to that decision. Um, I I think it was. I mean, I can't entirely remember, but we, I basically got to the end. And this is what we're talking about, about like having ideas uh, for the ending in mind. Like I did, I had a vague sense of where it would end, but I'd been writing all the scripts um, without completely knowing how it was going to finish. And I got to the, uh, last, the last episode and I had um, all the characters up on the roof and they're sort of, if people who haven't seen it, like there's all these characters and they're basically sort of facing off with guns and it's a big sort of dramatic moment. Um, and I got as far as having one character, this girl, um, Taki, uh, sort of step up onto the side of the roof and sort of threaten to jump off. And that stops everyone, all these like gangsters and cops and stuff who've been yelling at each other with guns out, like suddenly stop. And like the idea was that they all suddenly become really concerned about this girl and that there's a sort of shared humanity to the fact that a minute ago they were threatening to kill each other and now they're just worried about um, whether this girl's going to fall off the roof or not. And I've written up to the point where she trips and her dad catches her. Um, and I'd seen a photo from a film, I can't remember what, of a man who was hanging off of the side of a roof and, the, and there was another man holding him by his tie. Um, uh, and this, like, this is a very, it would just seem like a really sort of balletic, um, like the physical, the stance of them, it seemed quite dance-like. Like she's sort of leaning back up with her sort of back arched and... And, and, and her father sort of holding her, her hand and the, the sort of movement of their bodies and then pulling her back in. It, in my head when I was playing it, it would seem like a dance, you know, like a dance move. Um, and I've, I think I just got to the point where it were like, um, I, I knew I didn't want all the characters just have another gunfight because we'd had that and I just thought it wasn't necessarily going to be that satisfying. And I also didn't want all the characters to suddenly be able to it's a show about people who are really bad at communicating. So I didn't want them to be, suddenly be really sort of elusive and able to express the things that they wanted and all this stuff. So it's, it's basically a show about people that don't really get what they want because they can't, they don't have, they just don't communicate well enough or they don't, you know, wrong time, wrong place. Um, so I wanted to give them all a moment to sort of ex express their innermost desires or sort of slightly have, a, have like just a few minutes of, showing us what they wanted but couldn't have anyway i don't know how the dance sort of thing came about necessarily it just it seemed to me that if you look at all of the sort of um ways we have of telling stories like it's dance is a really interesting one and we never use it we never use sort of just physical form or sort of mm. that sort of physical theater stuff which you which you see in other mediums but 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 we we never do and it, and i don't know it just seemed like We'd been quite an experimental show up to that point anyway. We'd done a lot of stuff with different, you know, animated sequences and flashbacks and aspect ratios. And and I think because it because it was a foreign language show on BBC, the fact that they let us do it, I don't think they were expecting it to necessarily I think we just had the freedom, you know, they weren't necessarily expecting it to be massive numbers anyway, it was subtitled and it was sort of weird and all this stuff. So we had this sort of permission to be quite experimental. So it just seemed like a I don't know, it's like a thing that we should try, I think. <laughs> Yeah, uh, mate, it, like it blew me away because I, I didn't, 
I didn't know. No one had told me. I, I, I didn't uh, know it was coming. But actually, I don't even think if you know it's coming, it's still it's still just as powerful. Because because I think that's that's what I love so much about it was that on on the surface, it's you know, like you say, a, a Japanese detective looking for his brother, who's you know potentially yakuza, you know, um, and he's in London. And it and on the surface, it's this sort of um, gangster mob series. Mm. Um, but it so wasn't like it was, it was so much more than that. It was, so, it, I found it so human, like mm. in, in amongst, you know, gunfights and, and mobs yeah, fighting yeah. each other and stuff. It was a very like human story. And, and I thought when that happened at the end, almost like what you're saying, um, about how like novelists have the luxury of writing about what's in the character's head. Um, mm. Yeah, that that scene at the end on the rooftop, sort of just—it's um, like they they were speaking. But I, we we always say as dancers, we always say um, like any art that's like like dancing or painting or singing is is the, the reason it's there is that it can express what words can't. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And because otherwise you just say it. There's no point in it being there. Like if if you can just express it with words. Um, and. And so when all that happened, and there's like a few different characters, major characters from from the story on there, and the dynamics between, like the dynamic between the brothers, uh, the dynamic uh, between um, the dad and, and his daughter, the, um, the dynamic between the different sort of um, gangs. Um, there, was, there was so much going on that suddenly got expressed in this con- like contemporary ballet. Um, yeah. And it was, I don't know, it was just perfect. And I sort of couldn't believe it afterwards. And I was, I was going, Stace, come and have a look at this. Come and have a look at this. Like, just with no context. Look at this. Oh, that's a nice tense piece. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, um, and that's what I liked about the whole series as well. Like, uh, um, I liked that, like, because obviously, um, like Kenzo, the, 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 Kenzo's the detective, right? Um, yeah. He... There was like the story between him and his wife, and yeah. like Kenzo and, and and his and his wife, they're they're good people. Like if we're sort of stereotyping it, they're the like sort of the good people of the of the show, the good the goodies. Um, yeah. They're sort of morally um, morally good people. It uh, it seems, right. but they're the ones that like their relationship is breaking down. Um, yeah. And when when he travels away, he sort of obviously ends up meeting someone else, and 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 he's questioning the whole time. Like, um, I feel like I'm just repeating your own show back to you. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, what I loved about it, um, <laughs> what I loved about it was like um, he was questioning obviously his sort of life and his relationship, um, and it turns out so was so was his wife, um, and. I love that it didn't just go down the route of like, and in the end they realized that they just want needed each other. Like yeah. <laughs> actually that was like you're saying, like there's people that struggle to communicate and this obviously hasn't been communicated for the whole thing. And then they ended up sort of not dealing with it and actually realizing, even though, you know, it comes to like a nice ending and whatever it comes, it, it comes to the point of like, actually it's probably best that we're yeah, going to stay together. Whereas, yeah. um, uh, what, what's the name, the brother? Yuto. Um, uh, Yuto. Um, to all intents and purposes, he was like the guy that, he's sort of the, the lost cause brother. Do, do you know what I mean? He's, he's, the bit of a, he's a bit of a rogue. Um, um, Kenzo's always trying to keep him in line, you know, and, and he's, he's, he's gone rogue. He's, he's joined the mob and, he's, and he's, he's getting into trouble and he's the troublemaker. Yeah. yeah. Yet his relationship is is the one that, like, he's lo- he's loyal till the end um, for for the relationship that he wants, and and, yeah. and that's sort of what's driving him and, and what he ha- what he has to get to. He just wants to be with her, and I, and I, I found that wicked that it was just um, yeah. And, and then there's the daughter who's who's you know discovering her sort of she's coming into being an adult and discovering her sexuality and like just there's, there's yeah, so yeah. much human stuff going on. Yeah. I and mean, I think we basically, I wanted to um, make it basically wanted to make it like as a character drama, but we sort of smuggled it in uh, under the sort of 
guise of a crime thriller. Well, I think it became less about crime and more about the characters as it, as it went on. And I definitely saw that sort of the stuff that really interested me rather than, rather than just like the, yeah, the, the crime and the, the police story of it. Like it was really interesting just to have a bunch of sort of really messed up characters trying to sort of find themselves and stuff. And I think like, I definitely, I mean, I think writing's always to an extent is just a, like slightly sort of like free therapy in a way that like, you just sort of try and sort of a way of like working through your own, <laughs> your own things. But I, I definitely, when I was writing, I was, I had like, I think mean, I can identify bits of each character that I felt sort of reflected something that I'd gone through or just the general idea of flawed people being sort of interesting. I definitely like when I, when I was writing, I got, I think when right at the beginning, I just, I had got, gone through like quite a big breakup and I just moved back to London for the first time in years. So like the idea of essentially like doing a, uh, a story about a character that's essentially splitting up with his wife and then moving to a new city and it being like full of sort of opportunity, but also being incredibly sort of difficult and sad and all that stuff. There was, I mean, that was basically sort of the, the thing that interested me more in terms of, in terms of the story than actually any of the sort of Yakuza stuff. Um, but it's, then it's just about sort of balancing it. You know? mm. Did, would, would you say that that's, that's always happening with, with, with say anything you write that it's coming from something that you've experienced or is, or is it possible to write something completely alien to you? Like, yeah, I mean, I think you sometimes do. I think it's, I think what you always try and do is, is find the, even if it's just a small thing that you can relate to in the character or the, or the situation, like I, even if you're writing something which isn't like completely outlandish or has like on the surface, nothing to do with you or your life. Like you have to be able to write stuff, which is, you know, if you're writing like a big sort of sci-fi epic or, you know, so whatever. Um, but if you can find the thing in your characters that you can relate to, it can, it can just be like a really, you know, it can be just like a tiny thing. It can just be, I recognize that outlook in life. I, I, I would have done that or, uh, I don't know, or even it's just, you know, they have insomnia, I have insomnia or whatever it is like a, like a little thing. I think that's really helpful if you can do it. It's not always possible. Um, but yeah, it's good. It, I think it improves. It, it will definitely improve your writing if, if you can um, relate to them. Yeah. The other one was um, the character of Rodney. Um, well, I, f I found his, like his story really interesting because he was an, he was another example actually of like someone who as it starts off first few episodes you sort of the the stereotype that you have in your mind is like he's he's the sort of the down on his luck guy on the street with a heart of gold like do you know what i mean like he's gonna, he's just gonna you know he's just falling on hard times and um struggling a bit and and getting into some trouble but his heart is in the right place and he's going to help the right people yeah. and da, 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 da. and then the the where it goes towards the end like when, when yeah, you yeah. discover like what happened in the past with him and and he's saying um you know about his his his, his boyfriend that died right um yeah, yeah. and and he's going, they don't need to watch it now, anyone listening to that? <laughs> like, you absolutely do. Whoever's listening, you do need to watch this. Um, um, I was expecting it to be like that he's died and that's what's broken him. You know, like an, an episode of like Queer Eye, when, when, right. when you find out like, ah, oh, that's the reason why their life's fallen apart a little bit is because this yeah. happened in the past. But then like you find out he's actually like, with his demons of like, I, I, I let that person down and I should have been mm -hmm. there and I, sh I should have done that. And that's what he's battling with. And it's yeah. like this, yeah, like you, you start relating to things and there's, there's so, it's so much, um, it's so well, I don't know what the word is, just so well, sort of well-rounded as, as humans. And that's, that, yeah. that's, what I, that's what I loved about this show. Because when, when I'm trying to create things like in the, in the dance world, um, I, I always say like the most important thing is, is not, um, is not to show them something like impressive, like, Oh, I can put my leg up there or do this jump or this lift or, or whatever. Like the only thing that matters is, is making people feel something. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I, and I guess that's, um, I don't know if there's a question in here, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just basically going, that's about your show. I'm, I'm, I'm just going, I, I just think that there was so much in there for, like you say, a, 
a show that w was you know in part subtitled about a, a japanese guy coming to london and it's a sort of gangster mm. series there was there, there was so many points in it where i just wanted to cry when i was watching it <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're going for. No, well, that is good. I mean, that's what I mean. That's essentially what what we what we wanted was to take a crime show and just and but actually, it's it was really just an exploration of uh, like these five or more characters in like a really just strange part of their lives. Like when we meet them, it's just a very we join them at a very odd time in their life, and and I think that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I always think it's just more satisfying if you can do everything you can to make every character in your story a, like a like a genuine, fleshed out, real person. Mm. And uh, you know, I think you have to make the decision early on when you're writing something like how much um, sort of story real estate you're going to give to each different part. Like you've only got so long mm. with an audience; you have to choose. If you if you give them a five minute scene exploring a character sort of dealing with their demons and their desires that's five minutes you can't spend on you know uh, mm. other stuff more more sort of plot driven stuff so it's all about like deciding where your where your where your priorities lie but i'm glad that you you know that you, that you felt that because that's that, that's that's what we that's what we were definitely trying to do and then once you're like on set as the writer like how what's your sort of day to day what does that look like because i'm assuming like you say like if, you, if you're not giving if you're giving five minutes to that character you're not giving five to that and that probably changes in terms of the ideas like we're going to spend more time here and there and do you have to like make changes to the screenplay during the day or like how does it play out uh, i mean you do sometimes it's more like i went on like some writers go on set all the time i'm thinking in america with the sort of showrunner system when writers are basically sort of um running the whole show and i think i'm expected to be on set more i would go on set like once a week maybe but like if, if if they were filming close to my house uh or if there was something very exciting happening but i would generally go like once or twice a week and it was always good to be there like you do yeah the, it's usually if you do have to rewrite anything on set it's generally just because a scene isn't perhaps working or there's just a line or like an actor has an idea or a problem or you know or it's just oh, we could try this or we could try that like it's usually just little cosmetic changes i'm trying to think of like about doing anything really big on on the fly it's it it's usually just putting out small fires um or trying to sort of make things better i've had a few times where it's been like this actor was refusing to read a line or something or like a few like sort of weird ones but no generally it's good um you, you're just there to make sure it's all going all right um and it's like yeah go on sorry go on don't know, don't know, what uh, I was, I was just said, do, um, do you deal with the actors a lot? I'll deal with the actors a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're on set, that's that's because you know they're there and they're reading your dialogue. So it, that's that's you would. Yeah, I mean, you do. You have to deal with, deal with the actors. And and like ninety nine percent of the time, it's a really it's it's a good. That's a really nice part of it. Actually, it's quite a nice creative part when you've actually got the actors bringing your characters to life and you're sort of there and then you learn very quickly what is and isn't working. Um, and you know, it, that's a nice, that's a nice sort of collaborative part of it when, and actors are brilliant. I mean, I love actors, they like mad a lot of them, but, um, <laughs> just that so they do have like, a, a, like this incredible passion for their characters. And, and it's weird when you've created this, this character in your head, and suddenly this real person is like imbibing it, you know, they're like embodying it, imbibing it, I don't know. Um, but they are that, suddenly that person, it's like you have to sort of give that, you have to give that character over to them in a way, like, and, and realize that actually that person understands this character that's been living in your head as, as well as you do, and maybe better, and, and, and they're going to bring their own things to it and their own readings. And, and part of my thing is like trying to sort of slightly let go of control and not trying to like, no use, but you have to read the line like this, or you have to like walk over here and you have to, you know the best actors. You you have you give a lot of sort of freedom to 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 find that. So that's always a, you know that's always a pleasure. Um, I mean, you get the other like not case that won't that <laughs> just doesn't get it. But not on Geary, everyone was lovely. <laughs> um, and like go, going forward, do you have like an ideal um, project or um, yeah? Is, is is it like do you love like just creating uh, new ideas or like 
if say if say if they someone came to you with like we want you to write the next bond like would that be exciting to you or is it like like what's it what's the ideal i yeah i i i mean i mostly like creating my own stuff but there's definitely um like there's definitely franchises which it would, which it would be fun to work on i think often that stuff can be a bit of a double-edged sword though i think i like the level of being working out with, with Geary and that because you are given a lot of sort of creative freedom. If you write a bond, I mean, you're essentially going to be a, like, a, well, no, maybe that's unfair to the people that write bonds. But I think you're like, there is an element of glorified typist about it at times. Like, I think you will end up having to do whatever you get told to do. Like you can, I don't know, well, no, actually I haven't said like Fever Water Bridge has done. So, but I think if you work on something really big, you can, there's only so much yourself you can bring before you're in, going to get you know you're going to get like 20 pages of notes being like this has to happen yeah. this has to happen this has to happen and i like being in a position where i can be like no <laughs> or like i mean we, we should do it like this um the bigger the project you work on or the bigger the director you work with like the less creative control i think you have so that but that's that's you know that's that's the give that's the thing you you exchange and they pay you more <laughs> I guess, <laughs> you know, but it would be, you know, be fun to do like a Star Wars or something. But I, it, I, I think the most, the most satisfying thing I think is is coming up with your own stuff. Mm. And how do you? Um, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm sure Giri Hadji um, didn't get much criticism, but like, how do you take? How do you deal with um, any criticism? Like, you know, just like people on social media and or uh, reviews, uh, or like, do you tend to listen to? reviews or people on social media do you block it out do you, does it bother you like uh, i do read most things yeah i know some people that say they don't i'm never sure if i believe them but i, I do read like reviews. um like luckily yeah most of the reviews for giri were really um really good and it got and it's got a really good response on social media and stuff like that um but i do it is the rea- the reality is you will just end up remembering sort of the bad reviews and yeah that's just that's just it's like I think I think I'm quite good at it, and I tend to sort of almost like quite like the really bad reviews. Like I I got a review. I mean, the two worst reviews I've ever got are both from um, Roger Ebert website. Roger Ebert was this big film critic, and he's quite famous. He passed away now, but he's got a uh, his website's still up on different film critics um, write for RogerEbert.com, and I did a film called The Ritual. and like the it, the review like just oh my god like it was absolutely slammed like but personally just me it was the weirdest thing oh, oh. and it was it was very like guy just really hated me and hated the script and sort of called me out by name like three or four times and it was at the, I mean reading at the time oh my god <laughs> I'll never work again but then after a while you, you you sort of end up becoming almost like quite you have like an odd affection for it because it's like the worst thing that anyone's ever <laughs> probably can write about you. And you just, you sort of end up quite liking it because it's, I don't remember most reviews, but I definitely remember uh, that one. And that same website did a review for My Days of Versus. It's also pretty damn. <laughs> but I think, you, I think you do have to just have a thick skin and just sort of accept that it's not, it's not personal generally. Yeah. It's, just, it's just part of it. I'm sure I've just, I've just like, people's work off on Twitter and stuff and you know it's 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 part of it yeah it's fine and, and do, do you um by the same token like say when when you're watching anything and some series or film or, or whatever mm. um do you I'm assuming you must watch it different to how I watch it like if I'm I'm just watching it to like um you know trying not to think of anything really I'm just in, sort of enjoying right. it but do you mm. end up watching it like from a writer's perspective um, I try not to. I think definitely TV because I've, I've worked more in in TV. So if, I, if there's like British drama, I think you can't help but watch it and be like, if if you don't think it's very good, you're like, how, how did this get made? Like, how how come they didn't make my show but they made this? Or like, this person's a hack. Um, <laughs> why are they getting paid more than me? No, I think I, I think you have to try. Like, I mean, everyone just has that that size, don't they? The sort of slightly ugly um, industry side, but I generally not. The thing which I can't do now is by reading books. I find really hard now. I can watch telly and films and you know, I just enjoy them. But like books, I, I really struggle to read because um, I get sent a lot of books to like sort of consider adapting. Right. And if I'm just reading a book just for fun, like I can't get out of my head. Like 
it, would this be a good TV show? Are the rights available? If they're not, why am I still reading it? Like, I, I find it really hard to just read a book for pleasure now, which I, which I, I, I need to work on because I used to love reading. But um, I would say that's the, that's the thing that's been damaged the most. Okay. Telly's all right. I watch just mostly like trash like TV though. I mean, watch more like, like um, Love is Blind and like, <laughs> sort of, no, I like uh, Next in Fashion, that sort of thing. I watch most, mostly. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> um, but aside from your own work, um, mm-hmm. is, is, there, is there any, like, what writers do you admire or has there been anything on TV or on Netflix or whatever at the moment that you, you think, like, everyone should just watch that, the writing's incredible or... Uh, well, um, I made a story. I think everyone's talking about that at the moment. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Um, I hadn't, yeah, I only started watching it like the other day and I think I'm up to date with it. I think that, I think at the moment, like the six episodes are out. So from Michaela Cole, which I never, I still haven't seen Chewing Gum, which was her last show. I heard it's amazing. It's one of those things which everyone tells you is amazing. You're like, I have to watch that. And I, I just still haven't. And I'm definitely going to now but yeah i made a story is incredible incredibly well written um and put together and she's just yeah she's she's incredibly talented um i just started normal people so i'm behind everyone else but that's obviously oh yeah we watched that yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) it it is a good show um i yeah i think those are the two i'm watching i'm going i'm watching old episodes of er a lot as well okay uh, it's a good show yeah, <laughs> I've never watched it. Obviously, you never watched it. Massive show, but I'm, yeah, I've just never watched it. Uh, five, yeah, it's good. It's it's a really good show. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I recommend that from nineteen ninety five. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just to like to finish is, I never know whether like people can give away sort of anything they're working on or, or like um, what's what's the future like what's. Have you got anything coming out soon or like what's uh, on the go? Um, I've got, I mean, nothing that's going to come out soon, but I've got a show. I've got two shows that have been greenlit. So I don't know uh, exactly when they'll start filming because of, of the coronavirus. Yeah. But um, I think one will start filming quite soon. That's I've written all of it now. and I need to do some redrafts. So that's basically ready to go. And that will be, I mean, I don't think I can, I'm not sure what I'm going to say about it. It's for Sky, and it's uh, it's um, and it's it's going to be bloody great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more of like a sort of action-y kind of. It's quite a high concept sort of. Uh, I can't say. I don't know what. Okay, I you can't say. Probably, okay, <laughs> but it's, we're going to film it. Um, and then I I done I've got another show with Netflix, which I just been doing a couple of weeks in a writers' room. Some other very talented writers, and that's a sort of YA book annotation which i think i also can't talk about um but i don't we'll probably film it like next year um yeah. and, I, and that's it yeah and then just other stuff you know development lots of development hopefully i don't know i don't know if we'll get to make any more geary that'd be nice um i'll be waiting wait and see that, but you know yeah fingers crossed yeah. yeah that'd be awesome um mate thanks so much for coming on the show <laughs> and um where can people find you like on social media and stuff um on twitter at joe barton underscore um but i'm on instagram i can't remember my instagram handle <laughs> it's probably yeah. right. joe barton underscore. Uh, <laughs> <that's where> <laughs> and it's not joey barton it's not joey barton no i used to have i used to be at joey barton on twitter um but i had to give it up because i was just getting dogs abuse every saturday <laughs> um and I saw on your, I think, I think you put it on Twitter and you put um, Last of Us 2 coming out. You were like, say goodbye to all your deadlines. Have you started it yet? Um, I haven't started it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've started it. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I've like played like five hours the other day. Like to the point where I just got really motion sick. You know, when you play something so long, it's motion sickness. <laughs> like, like, uh, yeah. I don't know whether to, um, does this guy ever stop mowing his lawn outside? The entirety of lockdown. Um, uh, well, I was going to say, yeah, do I need to, um, I don't know whether to play the first one because it's a few years since I played the first one. I don't know whether to play that one again first or just dive straight into two. I mean, the first one's so good. I played the first one again just to like get my own, but you could just, I think there's like YouTube videos where they just 
like they, they catch you up on the story. If yeah. you've forgotten it, it's important. I think it's helpful to have it fresh in your head, but um, you know, I think you could just like, there's probably like a YouTube video to catch you up, but man, it's very good. Our first one's amazing. Um, yeah, and the second one's amazing so far as well. Yeah. I'm just like very, very excited. And they're doing a TV show of that as well. That I'm very really? jealous of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing, uh, Craig Mason, the guy who wrote Chernobyl, and, okay. uh, and, uh, and the director of Chernobyl as well. Um, they're both, they're doing the Last of Us TV show for HBO. Ooh. Wicked. Yeah. Hi, mate. Um, well, yeah, thank you for coming on. And um, if, if everyone is listening, if you haven't watched it yet, watch um, Gary Hadji on, it's on Netflix now, right? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah, it used to be on iPlayer. Um, but now it's on Netflix. Like, go and watch it now. It's, it's, it's unreal. Mate, thanks so much. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me.